Hey, welcome back to another in our special series of the FDIC podcast we call Banking on Inclusion. In this series, the FDIC, along with the National Bankers Association, look at banks and bankers and banking practices that work to expand financial inclusion to everyone, most especially the unbanked. Today, we look at banking in Indian country with two bankers who lead native-owned and operated institutions and who work and lend in communities where, if not for these banks, there may not be a bank at all. And to show you just how important these institutions are, let's take a look at some numbers. In a 2019 survey, the FDIC found that just under 5.5% of all U.S. households were unbanked, and just 2.5% among white households. Now, that sounds good, but by contrast, the unbanked rate for American Indian or Alaskan Native households was 16.3%, three times greater than for all U.S. households. We must point out that the opinions expressed here may not necessarily reflect those of the FDIC. Joining us today to discuss the challenges and opportunities of banking in Indian country are two bankers who should know. Tom Ogard is the president and chief executive officer of Native American Bank based in Denver, Colorado. And Susan Plum, chairman and CEO of the Bank of Cherokee County based in Hulbert, Oklahoma, about an hour east of Tulsa. Well, hello to you both. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Hey, Tom, let's begin with you. Native American Bank got its start, what, nearly 35 years ago? Well, Native American Bank is an interesting entity. The charter for this bank was um, brought about by an action from Congress in 1998. And so with that charter, uh, 11 tribes came together to uh, uh, pull in the uh, capital needed to get the bank started. They purchased the Blackfeet National Bank in uh, Browning, Montana. Hmm. And so that gave them their first banking entity and then created the work area here in Denver, in part because uh, we travel throughout the country. The bank services a number of native populations throughout the entire United States, including Alaska. And so for us, Travel is important and having access to uh, to get around was important. So that's a little bit of, of the background on Native American Bank. And, you know, we uh, we continue to support access to financial services. And we try to do that as much as possible throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Susan, you've been in banking for now more than 20 years. You practice law in Cherokee County. Um, you're a fixture around those parts, right? Uh, tell us about your bank. Yeah, so we were founded in um, Indian Territory, actually, pre-statehood, just barely pre-Oklahoma statehood by a group of Cherokee citizens in Holbert, uh, one of whom is William Wirt Hastings. He was a He was a Cherokee governmental official and held many Uh, positions in the Cherokee government, but he was also a United States congressman. Um, I think at the time, uh, no, it was after the bank was founded that he was elected to Congress. Um, So we have been uh, continuously Native American owned since that time. That was 1907. Wow. 
Well, you know, uh, Tom, you had talked about uh, about the geography. You just hinted at the geography of Indian country in some parts of of our nation. It's vast and. And research tells us that there aren't many banks in Indian country as compared to other places. And that has got to be a challenge for those families and, and small businesses looking to access capital when there may not even be a bank. Well, that's exactly uh, the case. And, and if you look at uh, some of the places where we go uh, in Montana, in the Dakotas, uh, certainly up in Alaska, uh, there may be, um, talking to one tribal leader, he had a 70-mile one-way trip just to get to a bank. So access to financial services is a huge need in Indian country. Uh, and, and it encompasses a, a number of different things. I mean, it's not just access, but as you indicated, um, there's, a, I think, a, a cash culture in many tribal reservation communities. And, and, and in part because there's no access to financial services. And even when there is, it may be an intimidating uh, prospect for them to uh, want to work with the bank. And so financial literacy for us is a, a big part of what we uh, do. Uh, we have you know, little vignettes on our, our website where uh, individuals can go and, and it just really breaks down what does it mean to open a checking account or get a loan or those types of things. And so trying to bring access and opportunity uh, to various parts of the country uh, requires a number of different things depending on what's needed in that particular area. So uh, working with tribal leaders, working with the local community, working with other uh, organizations, sometimes it's a non-bank CDFI or community development financial institution that may be a local there that provides small dollar loans. Uh, we try to help in whatever fashion, not, not to necessarily be uh, the entity, but to be a partner uh, and, and not to uh, try to, to re, uh, displace what might already be there. Right. You know, Susan, am I wrong to believe that um, Native American uh, minority depository institutions uh, rely on, they're deeply rooted in relationship banking. Yeah, you know, I, um, uh, let's get back just a minute to your unbanked statistic, because um, I think it may even be higher than that 16% number. And I'll tell you, I'll give you an anecdotal uh, illustration. We have a tribe that um, cashed, we agreed to cash their stimulus checks uh, they did a per capita stimulus check, two or I think there were two issues of those checks. And of course, all over town, there's check cashing. Even other uh, financial institutions were not going to cash those checks for free. And of course, we have a close relationship with the tribe and we agreed uh, to cash the checks for free. And, you know, you can you can get an anecdotal idea of how many people don't have a bank account when they're not uh, they don't have a place to deposit the the money and that number was over 30 percent wow um during that during that check cashing and people were lined up uh really down down our we're on a busy highway and they were lined up down the highway 
Um, and I, it really, that was in, of course, it was after uh, COVID, but I think COVID has exacerbated the situation in a way that, well, I mean, who can predict a pandemic, right. but, but the negative results, you know, whenever banks shut down in these really small towns, like, um, you know, there's one bank in Hulbert, um, there are a lot of towns with four and 500 people that have no bank at all. And it's not necessarily geographic, um, but, but there's no, you know, when you don't have a bank, you, the town will dry up. Right. I mean, basically, you know, if you don't have a bank in a school, the, the town will dry up mm. and, and, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the bigger mid-sized, even some smaller banks just shut their, they just shuttered their branches and it's cheaper, you know, to not have a branch. And it's easy to say, well, they can just, um, they can just do, get their banking online. Uh, but that's, that's not really the way it works in small towns. So I, I think COVID really caused an even it caused more of an access issue. So, right. Tom, yeah. did you do you did you see that too? I mean, we hear that, you know, not surprisingly, um, most people uh, primarily use their mobile device and their computer to bank. But it seems in Indian country where this relationship banking is so important, and where there are so few bank branches, that something like what. Susan just mentioned can come along and really expose this gap in access. Well, Susan is exactly right. Uh, I, and we have, an, uh, and my example would be, uh, we have a branch, uh, obviously, in Browning, Montana. It's in northern Montana. Uh, the, the tribal reservation abuts the Canadian border. So uh, it is very rural. And depending on what happened during the pandemic in this case, um, you know, various tribes set about their own policies and practices about what accessibility was going to look like. Our business is going to be open. Our tribal uh, service is going to be open. Um, and so in our case in Browning, we had to close our doors and simply use the drive up. And, and so, uh, again, we had cars lined up down uh, the road uh, as, my, as many as 80 uh, was the count at one point uh, to try and cash checks or do banking services. And of course, you, you, if people just need cash, you, you know, they have access to an ATM or those kinds of things. And, and, and even though we have all the modern um, and up-to-date uh, you know, phone apps and those kinds of things, uh, banking really is a face-to-face -face transactional type of uh, event, uh, particularly in Indian country. Mm. And as you're going to build relationships, it's not done over the phone. It's not done in, you know, Zoom calls or those kinds of things. It's face to face. And consequently, not having that uh, available created uh, a number of a number of other issues. And so trying to provide the best service we could uh, during those times, even opening new accounts, and we have that uh, capability online. But um, the pandemic did uh, did exacerbate the situation. So, again, the access 
the opportunity to have financial services, I think, was compromised mm. a bit. Susan, uh, well, I'd like you both maybe to address this, uh, if you could, beginning with you, Susan. Um, uh, with all this technology that we've been talking about, do you feel it's it's widened some gap here, or does it look to close that gap and bring more Native American and Alaskan Native uh, families into the banking system? Well, you know, the silver lining for us as an institution is where we see those gaps open up, we're intentionally going there. We're going where the gaps are. Um, and hopefully we can do that in a more culturally informed way than the uh, bigger banks that withdrew from the environment have done. And, you know, the relational part of it, I didn't understand that that was unique until uh, we became a CDFI. And really every, every year that goes by, I, I think we're more unique. You know, as the number of banks in the United States shrinks, um, because they're garnering efficiency and have algorithms and artificial intelligence that inform their decision making. Um, that, that's just not, that's not our model. And uh, we just, we, we're going to have all that technology because honestly, it's getting cheaper and cheaper to have and easier to access. But I always say, well, you want all that technology until you actually want a real person. And then when you want and need a real person, you want and need a real person. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll, I think smaller banks and particularly native banks, we're going to be positioned very well to be able to do that because it's, it's a core, uh, it's, it's a part of our value system. Yeah. So. Tom, are you hopeful that technology is going to close this gap? Well, we've invested quite a bit in technology in the last four or five years because we do feel it is important. Uh, and I think I think it's generational when you look at Indian country. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the younger population obviously takes to that technology more quickly. And while in some places we go uh, in, in the Dakotas uh, or in New Mexico or even Arizona, uh, they may not have electricity even. And so but everybody seems to have a phone. Uh, so mm -hmm. how we can make it adaptable and and help people get comfortable using that technology is certainly certainly a key uh, for us. Um, the 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 face to face relationship aspect of banking in Indian country is is always going to be there. I mean, there's five thousand banks in the US and tens of thousands of branches. But between the regulators, there's only 18 native owned banks in the country, 18. And so the need for more banks, particularly those that cater to, uh, uh, you know, Indian country or Alaska native populations, it, it, I mean, the need is, is absolute and all the, all the things that you try to do, whether it's housing, whether it's uh, to try and create diverse economies so there's jobs, so you sustain jobs or you create jobs in some of these communities, or you help the tribe 
in other ways, because there's only so much economic development you can do in some of these small communities, particularly that are reservation based. So help the tribe move off the reservation and invest in other things so they can take those resources they earn back to their tribe and, and invest in their tribal program. So it's, you know, it's a layered uh, approach to try and bring access to financial services. Uh, and, uh, you know, we try to partner with any number of other banks or non-banks to do that, depending on the, the location. So uh, it, it, it's never not going to be a need, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Susan, maybe I'll turn it to you as we begin to wrap this up, uh, as you look crystal ball, you know, the, the near-term future and maybe even longer term, uh, what's the state of banking in Indian country as you see it? Of course, COVID hit Native American communities in a way that is um, not, it was definitely, we have some of the highest, uh, the highest rates of the terrible end of COVID. Um, and I would never want to make light of that. And in fact, it, it took an inordinate number of our Cherokee speakers. Um, and, and that is, it's really tragic. Um, but at the same time, it exposed to uh, Congress the fact that we have the ability to, for instance, the PPP program. Paycheck Protection Program. Yes. Yes. And, you know, our the our banks, we we stepped right up. Um, we had a lot of customers that came to us because they could they couldn't get a response from their uh, larger institution. And I think uh, Congress really took note of that and said, OK, this is worth preserving and we're going to try to make sure that it's preserved. So we have some opportunities to expand because of that and um, we're gonna we're gonna grab a hold of that and we really are going to um, we're gonna we're gonna take what we do and not change our corporate culture which it's it's I would call it extreme relationship banking um, and we're gonna we're gonna expand that well I want to thank you both for joining us, uh, Tom Ogard of Native American Bank in Denver, Susan Plum, uh, the Bank of Cherokee County in Oklahoma. I really appreciate you uh, letting us in and uh, giving us a window into banking in Indian country. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Brian. Thanks, Brian.